now we can leave this place. Now spread his word. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene and Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking, saying, ah, they're full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. Mm. Quite a change from that huddle of scared, disillusioned, mourning disciples just a few weeks earlier. We've been studying this story as it develops post-Easter. And it's really a story of God's Easter people. And we are that lineage. We are that heritage. We are His Easter people of today. We can live post this last Easter just as they lived after that first Easter. Jesus' following had drawn such people. It was reaching revolutionary proportions. Let me say that again. Jesus' ministry drew people. And it scared folks. He was so powerful with people that the authorities of the day felt threatened. Authorities that would usually not conspire but would actually be uh, enemies with a great deal of tension. The Jews, the Romans became one in their fear of this threat and of this perceived threat of power. Together they crucified him. 
and together they would have certainly put away this threat completely if only they could have. They would have taken the body that they had tortured on a cross and pushed to death and sealed in a tomb by their own guard. They would have taken that body and paraded it through the streets to have killed any rumors that he had risen. But there was a problem. (laughs) The carefully guarded body could not be found. It wasn't there anymore. The friends and the enemies of Jesus alike had to deal with what it meant that the tomb was empty and the rumors were rampant. They built from week to week. Can you imagine a story like that? How it went viral even without the internet? Someone had been raised from the dead, some people say. Some people say that they're, they're seeing here in Jerusalem and, and some sightings as far away as Galilee. Can you imagine the buzz that was created in that lingering religious event that had brought in people from all around the country for Passover, first of all, one of the biggest events. They had all been there, seen what had happened, maybe started hearing the rumors of what had transpired after the, many of them left town. Some of them had stayed in town for the next seven weeks, the Feast of Weeks. They they stayed in town continuing to celebrate their their faith. And at the culmination of seven seven day periods, seven weeks, came the Feast of Pentecost. It was the the finale, the the grand uh, uh, finale of of this whole uh, religious season of, of celebration. They would bring in thankfulness, their barley and their wheat crops in to, to celebrate. And that would set a festive mood among the people. But people would gather, as they had back on Passover, not just from the environs around Jerusalem, but from far other places. Did you hear the list? Parthians and Medes and Mesopotamians and Arabs and folks from Egypt. The whole world, because of a proselytized faith because the Jews had so impressed others by the way they followed God that others people had come to be drawn towards God through them just as God had planned for through them God was already working and so here it is God's setting up a fulfillment of what he's commanded them to do go therefore and make disciples of all the nations And then the Spirit says, okay, I'll help. I'll bring all the nations to you. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. That was Jesus' commandment to his disciples just before he ascended. That was his walking papers. That were, were his standing orders. Go, therefore, and make disciples. But strangely, right after he said go, he said wait. Isn't that strange? Go, wait. If you're like me, I might not even stick around to hear the wait. Go. See ya. You know? Isn't that like us? Give us a plan. Let's start working the plan. We're bending man. You know? We're, we're going to make it happen. Go. But Jesus wanted to make absolutely clear there's more to this than just a calling and a curriculum. Jesus came back to call them. He also came back to explain to them the mysteries of the kingdom and how that was unfolding from Scripture in his life and they were taking on the next generation of spreading the word, right? It wasn't just a calling and a curriculum go. It was an accompanying. Go make disciples for I will be with you always. How would he fulfill that promise? By sending his spirit. 
a spirit that could work through anyone, anywhere, loose in this world, exponential, more potential for kingdom living. Easter people come to recognize that the life that they're called to live is not just a calling that they live out on their own, and it's not just a curriculum that they apply to a future time. It is an accompanying of the very Spirit of God as we walk it out. It's an interactive, relational partnering with God in our lives in this present time to be His kingdom agents. You follow that? And that's why after the go came the wait. He told them in Galilee, no, go back to Jerusalem. You got to be kidding me, Jesus. Go back to Jerusalem. Do you remember what they did to you back there? We were kind of enjoying Galilee. Fishing's fun. But go back to Jerusalem? Where they would have killed us? As they killed, go back to Jerusalem and wait upon the promise that you heard of from me. The promise of the Father. See, the Trinity is always working together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They do really very, they do nothing without the other. That is their oneness, right? And the Spirit was to proceed from the Father. What the Father intended, the Son established, and the Holy Spirit was going to extend. That's pretty good. You ought to write that down. What the Father intended, the Son established, and the Holy Spirit extends in different places and at different times. In all places and at all times. Right? Father, Son, and Spirit. God the Father is for us. God the Son was with us. God the Spirit is within us. All the same God. All the same God. The same essence. But a triune God. Is holding His intentions pure and holy and Untouched, and a son has established by his sacrifice, his witness, his humanness, his brokenness among us, the exact image of the Father in, in human language and in human form. And now that we've seen that in a language that we can understand as well as we can understand it as fellow human beings, he has cut covenant with us, with God, and he extends to us all the benefits of that covenant that we might become his agents, empowered by his Spirit in this present time. So if the Christian life then is not just a calling and it's not just a curriculum, it's also an accompanying, then Easter people today, like Easter people then, in order to be ready to live out that calling, in order to be ready to apply that curriculum, need to be as attentive, need to wait on the Spirit. Isn't that interesting, the word wait? I, I, I had dinner the other day and a waiter was waiting on me. Attentive to me. Sir, do you need more diet, Dr. Pepper? I was noticing you. Do you need more diet, Dr. Pepper? Waiting upon the Lord. Sensitive. Attentive. Responsive. Waiting. It's not waiting like... Uh, See, it's an active attentiveness. They were waiting because this was to be an accompanied life. 
for them and for us. Life in this love revolution is not just something that we're doing for God. It's something that we're doing with God. His living, resurrected, living, death could not contain reality is still among us. I am with you always. Go and wait. It's part of our, our, our posture still today. Always to go, but to be waiting as we go and to be going as we're waiting Surely the disciples had not taken it all in. I, I so like the idea that they're a little bit slow to get concepts. They give me hope for myself, you know. Jesus had been teaching them for days in these appearances about, about the kingdom and what it meant. And, and there in Acts 1, they're still not quite sure what this is going to look like. Verse 6, and, and so when he had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is this the time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Now, I can understand that. They had heard the stories of Gideon. There had been time when people, uh, when God had taken up the cause of his people to throw off their oppressors in the past. Well, Pentecost was not just a time where they were celebrating a harvest. It was 50 days after the Passover. Do you know what happened 50 days after the first Passover? On that day, Moses was on the top of Mount Sinai receiving the law that would come down and be that Ten Commandments, the law, that, that moral peculiarity that would shape this identity-less group of slaves coming out of Egypt into a, a peculiar kind of people. A people that in living out this kind of prescriptive of the law would be so different than the world around them that people would notice that difference, recognize that difference as something that's in the character of their God and want to know more about their God. Cappadocians, Medes, Egyptians. Sometimes we Christians make too much of how the first covenant failed and not enough about how there were those that were faithful to it and the Lord was honoring it and it was succeeding. That was not in the notes and I'm completely lost now. Yes. Why wait? Jesus, first of all, had told them, go in Jerusalem and wait. And for the same reason, we still do church. Are there times when doing church is a matter for you of of being obedient to what Jesus simply said? Aren't there times, I know most of you are so holy, you don't struggle with this, but Aren't, aren't there times when being church is kind of a drag? Being a church is costly. Being a church is loving somebody you can't hardly like. Am I, I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Can anybody identify with that? It, in, in church, sometimes... Doing the right thing until the righteous one shows up and makes it his thing. You know what I'm talking about? Where, where, where you're continuing in obedience, waiting for the Lord to make of it what he would make of it. There's a waiting to this, even today, isn't there? Churches still gather and say, Pastor, what are we going to do? Well, I'm waiting. 
And that's not the answer we want to hear. Now, I, I want a plan. I want a program. I want steps one, two, three, four. It needs to be on a calendar. You know what I'm talking about? You don't think those people were there those days they went back to Jerusalem? Uh, Peter, it's been two days now. Why are we here? I, I, I appreciate the praying. Praying's good. Praying and staying is great.